how and when people engage with YouTube content. Uh, see much of a jump in revenue in December? December is in general double the revenue of the lowest month or something. So like if you release a video in December, you're probably gonna get like double the money you get in January or something. Which is why December is often very competitive because people save their video and release it in December for that extra ad revenue. It's debatable how much sense that makes because if everyone does that, then there's so much more content for people to watch that you're gonna get less views and therefore less money. In the same way that some people take January off, like it's their month to take off because the ad revenue is so much lower. But whenever I look at January, I think to myself, there is a lot less content creators making content in January. This is my time to make content for all the people that have nothing to watch. The demand for content is the same, but the amount of content to service that demand is lower, meaning that I can have my content pushed to more people and potentially get more views. Or at the very least, just have new people find my stuff. I mean, more, therefore more likely to click my videos in the future when they get recommended because they recognize me from the other stuff they saw, you know? What percentage of my viewers are not subbed? I checked actually two days ago, 45%. So subscriptions, as I've said before, aren't that important. It's only like, it was less than 20% of views come from non-recommendation sources. I don't know how much of that 20% is search versus the subscription feed. I mean, subs still matter to some degree, as in a person who's sub to you has a higher chance than a person who's not sub to you to see your video because they might look in their sub feed sometime. But you can find yourself endless 5 million subscriber channels that have like 20,000 views per video because the substantial majority of people don't watch videos via their sub feed. Especially newer people who are more used to things like TikTok. And considering like what, 70% of people watch content from their phones? People just get on the app and scroll home. They scroll through the community posts, they scroll through stuff and just uh, click whatever catches their fancy. Me, I'm an old school guy. I've been using YouTube since you know, the last 10 years. So that kind of recommendation system didn't exist, or at least not to that same degree when I first started. Subscriptions was the main way that people got content. So what I do of a day is I go to my subscription feed and I make a tab for every one of the videos in my subscription feed that I want to watch and then I make my way through those. And when I'm done with those, then I go to home and, and look at recommendations. I'm subscribed to 250 people, but I don't watch 250 people's worth of content, you know? It is uncommon for people to bother to go to the effort to unsubscribe from someone. And the longer that you're on the platform, the more accounts that subscribe to you, but just stop clicking your videos so they never get recommended them again, or they stop using an account and make themselves a new one, that old account is still subscribed to everyone, but no one's using the account anymore, so the subscription is completely worthless. The amount of subscriptions you have is correlated with success on YouTube, but it's more strongly correlated to being successful at some point, you know? On the back end of YouTube, you have this, that shows, like, the times where your viewers are most on YouTube. So, Tuesday at 8 p.m. around this time, okay, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 8 p.m. are the times when the fewest of my viewers are on. At 6 a.m., the most of my viewers are on. But this is my time. So I try to release my videos like around midnight. And so it moves into these times. And so what, that's what that dude is referencing. In the English-speaking world, people are uploading videos during this time. And for us Aussies, we're waking up, you know, 8 a.m. or whatever. And so everyone's already released their videos. 
I think most people's stats would look this way if they make English-speaking content, because this is like peak for Europe and America. But I mean, I, I imagine if, you know, you make content for India or something, or, or I guess, does China use YouTube? I don't know. But uh, this would look different, you know? <laughs> That's so funny. I was about to talk about how cool this feature is, because it shows how many people came back after watching a video. But it says here, too many videos to display. Consider changing the publish date to include fewer days. Because <laughs> I just upload so many videos. So the most it can display is four to five days, because I just upload that much. I was skipping a day. Maybe the data was broken that day. So 33 viewers watched this and then returned. 70 here. It's so fewer than the other channel. Zero? 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 Yikes. But I mean, as I say, this was a worse time for me, I think. Oh, this is in the first 24 hours, I should say, seven days. Okay, there we go. It's a bit higher now. Within seven days, how many of these people came back? So 180. Yeah, so again, these are people who this is their first video that they ever clicked on and how many of them came back afterwards. So this video had 900 new viewers and 182 came back for another video later. Like, I think that's a really cool thing for YouTube to have made. And on Twitch, we have no analytics at all. <laughs> Although Twitch actually did release some new analytics as well. It uh, They put in the back ends which emotes you use the most. Not the most useful thing, but... uh. I've had to use third-party stuff for those kind of stats. At the end of the day, YouTube wants you to be able to make the best content for viewers. And so the more analytics that they give you, the better that you can tailor your content to meet the demands of the audience. Of course, it is not possible for you to make the most optimal video all the time, because the most optimal videos are those that require the most work, the most effort. You've got to have a mixture of optimal and suboptimal, or you'll just go fucking crazy. I want to change the thumbnails of my rambles. So endless people have told me, I actually liked your rambles when I gave them a go, but I didn't give them a go for so long because the thumbnail sucked. And so for the longest time, I've wanted to find a way to make a thumbnail for it. The sort of thumbnails that I want made are those like this. Oh, is it Tech Quickie? No, what's, a, what's the other thing called? Oh, Tech Link, that's it. So Tech Link, Swipe right is cheaper in Amsterdam, and there's the guy's face, and it, that's, that's, but that's one you topic don't... in here. So they have all these topics here, but they just pick one and make uh, a thumbnail based on it. So date online cheaper in Amsterdam, and this this, this is are putting the... this this small section is the only thing that the thumbnail references. So I want to make stuff like that, but at the same time, I don't have the time for that. I want to find a person who can go back and make thumbnails for all of my rambles like that. But it's hard finding a person who can make good thumbnails. And I guess I would have to just be like, like, and make them a, like just a random bunch of just me looking a particular way. So this is all I did, very simple. And some people commented like, ah, oh, this is just a rambles video. I clicked it when I normally ignore rambles. And this is actually quite good. And yeah, a simple thumbnail took 10 seconds to make probably doubled the viewership. And keep in mind that the algorithm is constantly showing people your old videos. They don't just show your new ones. If you change your thumbnail and title for your old videos, it can lead to more people clicking on it, the algorithm noticing, and then giving it to more people. If you have time or can hire someone to do it, it's worth somewhat rege regenerating, re revitalizing, whatever, your older content. I just don't have the time. You didn't know that was the thing? What, the 
showing your videos. Go go look at your impressions of any of your videos. I mean, it, obviously it depends on how popular you are, you are or whatever. Like it isn't giving a million impressions to some guy with one subscriber, but it will probably be going up like one impression, two impressions, and stuff like that. Which isn't necessarily always recommendations. Like people could be searching and it happened to be on your screen, or um, they could. Does it count as an impression if pe a person goes to your channel? But regardless, your impressions should still be going up. And if it, more people start clicking on the algorithm, should notice. Is posting to Instagram helping me grow? Has your sub count, follower count increased since you started posting more on Instagram? You mean on things other than Instagram? It's too early to say, but I seriously doubt it. My follower count on Instagram has barely increased. Like for a little while, people unsubscribed because uh, I never posted anything then. So the people who no longer liked my stuff, who just forgot they were following me, were like, oh, fuck this dude and unfollowed. Other people like when I'm not interested in what he's posting, so they unfollowed. But that, that was like a couple of days. And now I probably gain like a hundred followers a, a day or something. Considering the amount of stuff that Weller's posting, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm seeing a return on the investment. But uh, I like doing it because, you know, who knows? I've said in general, I do not like Instagram. We don't consider all offense equal. Why do people care if everything can be considered offensive? We each have different ideas as to what a person can be justifiably offended over. Like if you ask a person who um, is progressive, like do you care that a bunch of homophobes are offended by homosexual couples? And they go, well, no, fuck them. I mean, they are offended, but you wouldn't consider their offense to be uh, sensible or justifiable. We all have different ideas as to what society should be. And we just pr try to promote behaviors that uh, sway society in that direction and um, avoid societies or ideas of society that we uh, don't support. How have I changed over the years? What is the biggest thing you've changed your opinion on over the course of your life? I don't know. I, I like everyone, am biased towards potentially forgetting moments where I've had bad takes or I've uh, been a fool or can retroactively think of myself in the past and uh, I think of myself more in line with who I am today because it's just more comfortable that way. Like you don't remember your past perfectly, but you know your present. And so your past ideas of yourself are colored by your present. Like I remember looking at some of my older footage and being like, oh, you know, I, I was surprised I would say things that way on this topic. It's like, I don't disagree, but my phrasing there is uh, a bit more blunt than I would do today. Like I had um, Bitterwicks go over like a, a substantial amounts of my oldest footage and his takeaway was that I haven't changed all that much. And that's five years. But I've seen that footage and I certainly say things differently now. The degree to which I'm willing to communicate certain ideas has certain, certainly decreased. Humans don't really change? Nah, nah, they totally do. It's just often very subtle. These things happen. It's just the most fundamental changes you can have in a person are when they're put in a completely different environment. The more new things that you experience, the more new people, new ideas and stuff that you... you find yourself around, the more that you're going to change. If the stimulus on you is effectively the same year to year to year, it's not surprising that you don't uh, don't change all that much. But I mean, all of us are inundated with endless information these days via the internet. So we have more capacity to, to see things that we've never seen before or hear things we've never heard before that can get us thinking and lead us, uh, be a catalyst to lead us down researching things that can change our views on stuff. It doesn't happen all the time. And certainly aspects of the internet uh, promote little bubbles that we live in where we don't necessarily see different things but uh 
despite that, we, we do have access to more information, more sources of potential change than at any point in time in history. As you get older, you change less and less. I think that might just be how much your life changes is a lot less as you get older. The older you get, the more likely you've uh, found your thing or found a relationship or made got a house or got a stable job and so you're going to be in that thing for long periods of time where when you're younger, things are more likely to change. You're not settled somewhere. But people still change in their later life too. How live streamers have influenced DSLR cameras over the last few years. In the next section, when I say clean HDMI out, it simply means that there's nothing on the screen. There is only the video feed when you connect it to your PC. When I first got a DSLR camera to use as my webcam, this was only a couple of years ago, like camera creators didn't have any like easy way to do clean HDMI out. Like the first camera that I got, the Canon, if you put on focus, it would always have the focus thing on screen. But in just a few short years, people who make cameras have just been like, oh shit, people are buying these for webcams? That's fucking dumb. I mean, these things cost like a bajillion dollars. But all right, we'll give you your clean HDMI out, no worries. You wanna spend 5,000 bucks on a webcam? Be my fucking guest, son. We'll take your fucking money. Just look at us streamers and they're like, what fucking morons? Thank you, come again. Pizza Hut is still surprisingly garbage. I did something for all of us moments ago. I ordered Pizza Hut. Now I do this like every year or two because I have a lot of Domino's pizza, right? But I still remember the days when I was a kid and Pizza Hut wasn't trash. And so I'm always trying to recapture that. And so every year or two, I try it again. And as has been the case for the last decade, it seems now, it's still trash. Plasticky, tasteless, expensive trash. I don't think I've tasted anything so flavorless in a very long time. How GTA roleplay led to me being featured on the Twitch homepage. It looks like this, it's like a small carousel. When you go to the Twitch homepage, you're presented with a different person each time. How did you get on the Twitch homepage? Uh, a lot of sexual favors. A long, long time ago, before GTA 5 roleplaying, when I would speedrun, I'd be in like the top five in the GTA 5 section which led to me getting a lot of exposure and getting a lot of viewers and stuff. But then when GTA 5 roleplaying came out, I got buried by a lot of big streamers, which, you know, obviously was, was kind of depressing. And so I, I wrote Lewis, the uh, Australian New Zealand regional manager dude for Twitch. I said to him, hey man, just want to tell you about the situation I'm in right now. And it kind of sucks. Do you have any advice and stuff? And he's like, look, it's how things go, right? It's, it, it sucks. It is what I can do. I can I can let you be on the front page every once in a while. Like you be on like the white list if there's uh, any free spots or whatever, and you've been streaming long enough, you know you you get put on there. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Thanks. Does a song need good lyrics to be successful? Uh, Trueborn. There was this uh, experiment where they took I think it was nonsense Spanish words and put it to a generic beat. You'd have to look up the exact story, but uh, there have been many examples of songs that have uh, that, are, that are incomprehensible, either by design or happenstance, that get to the top of the charts. Like when you think about a lot of songs that you like, people don't even know the lyrics, or they only know the chorus. I can't tell you whether certain words are better or whether having lyrics is better or for getting popular or something, but it's definitely not necessary. 
No, no, no. I don't think Despacito was it. Oh, but Despacito isn't a good is a good example. Yeah, that was popular everywhere. Despite that, yeah. Like a lot of songs, the lyrics probably only make sense to those in the know or the author themselves. Don't they have like a series on YouTube where the artist comes up and they're like, "Hey, yo, this is what I meant by this these lyrics." Like I've never super been into music. Like there are some people who will come home from a hard day's work and they will just sit back and listen to music. I've, I don't think I've ever fucking done that. Music for me has always been that thing I listen to when I can't watch a TV show or watch, uh, watch a movie or, or whatever. And even then sometimes I'll prefer an audiobook. Don't get me wrong, when I find a song that I really like, I can often drive to it for quite a while. I remember stumbling across a song from Meatloaf and I listened to it like 50 times in a row. But uh, I'm just not one of those passionate music people who can, you know, name their 10 favorite bands and everything they eat for breakfast. Are massive multiplayer online games a waste of time? Things that entertain you are by that alone not a waste of time. You could say it's not a productive use of time in that the progress you make in an MMO doesn't convert into progress in terms of uh, improving your life circumstances. But obviously everything you do doesn't need to relate around improving your life circumstances. You'd go crazy. Like entertainment in general is good for psychological health. At the same time, people who massively dedicate their lives to MMOs, uh, unless it's somehow their job, are probably doing themselves a disservice as there are definitely things in life that such a person would enjoy more than playing an MMO that they likely can't afford. But I mean, that's a general statement, of course. There, there are people who are perfectly happy putting their entire lives into an MMO. It's just, I think, for a lot of people who do that, they do it because MMOs are, in general, a very cheap form of entertainment. If you've got nothing going on in your life, you can just throw your entire life at an MMO, which is what I did when I was younger. Didn't have the money to spend on things, but I could use my shitty computer to play WoW all day, every day. Not really improving anything about my life or developing any skills, but certainly wasting time in a way that was at least mildly entertaining. But I mean, I was literally grinding achievements in World of Warcraft by myself. When I look back at that time, I think to myself, I could have played any other fucking game and probably enjoyed myself more, but I was just like, didn't want to buy more games, didn't want to spend the time, didn't want to learn, I don't know, it's, I don't know, man. Basically, MMOs good, overindulging in MMOs is bad. Do viewers do the GT5 features I show in my videos? Uh, I know for a fact that people who watch the stream learn things and then do them in their casual play and stuff. A lot of the stuff in facts and glitches you can incorporate into uh, your general gameplay. But of course, the vast majority of it is, you know, while interesting, not something that's really relevant for casual gameplay or online gameplay. Learning a speedrun is more than learning a rouse. Like one of the hardest things to do when you get into a new speedrun is not learning the rouse, it's learning all the alternate strats. Why certain things don't work, how things can fail and what you should do in those situations. Or knowing enough about the run to be able to improve on the run that you, you're doing right now. That takes eons depending upon the run. It's like recently when uh, Burhack was, he suggested a new strat on monkey business. And I was like, here's the history of that strat. It's strat testing and why it never became a strat. 
if you do this, it'll soft lock. It's like, ah, oh, shit. Because it's it it was it was a it was a good strategy. idea. It's it's why it was looked into originally. But like, if there was some kind of repository of not only the good strats, but all the bad strats, and all the things that have been tested to not work, more practical things might come from that, right? Because everyone will be on the same playing field. But that's just it's just too impractical to to get that knowledge to everyone. And even so, actually, well, saying that, it's probably good in many respects that people don't have the same history or the same knowledge. Because you get a new person who comes along, they question the established wisdom, you know? They're like, oh, I've never tested this, and they test it. And then they find something that no one else would find because everyone else was like, ah, oh, it's impossible, can't be done, you know? Was I always equally committed in my content creation? This was in response to a viewer suggesting that my recent success had been caused by me going ham. Going ham being slang for putting in an extraordinary amount of effort. I feel like I've always been going ham, but I lacked the knowledge of how to best apply my effort. Which is the case with a lot of people, right? A lot of people out there are willing to put the effort in and want to work towards improving something, but they just lack the knowledge of how to do that. They don't have the connections, they don't have that person to... So they can be under that person's wing and that person can be like, Look kid, here's how this is done, you know? What is the longest speedrun that I could do? What's the longest speedrun you'd be able to do? You, you work yourself up to it, right? If I was sufficient, if I, if I had to do it, if I was sufficiently motivated, I could do a 24-hour speedrun if I needed to. It had to be the strongest fucking motivations ever. I never thought I'd do an uh, 11-hour speedrun, a 12-hour speedrun, a 10-hour speedrun. I've done all these things while doing 100% at various different times. It's just what you're used to. Like, when you do a six-hour run, it doesn't sound absurd to do a ten-hour run. But if you do, like, a two-hour run, it sounds absurd to do, like, a six-hour run, you know? Having a long-term illness sucks. I still care about COVID. Uh, COVID. I have, um, Hashimoto's. I have an autoimmune disease. I doubt there's enough research to know how different levels of Hashimoto's interact with COVID, but I don't want to be that guinea pig. Look up long COVID. Examples of it in people. I'm vaxxed, so I'm probably fine, but long COVID looks scary as fuck. Sure, death is bad, but a constant mental fog or losing my taste and smell. Some of these people still haven't got it back after like a year plus. People are losing their taste, sense of taste and smell, not because their nose or tongue is being damaged, it's their brain that's being damaged. COVID hits people differently, and for good enough reason, I'll go places. But right now, there's 11,000 cases of... Uh, a new variant in this area and I'm not I'm not risking spending the rest of my life with a mental fog to, to watch a movie fuck that shit like I was here with my mother we had a hug and stuff which we wouldn't have done uh you know a year ago or whatever things are more relaxed to a degree but I'm there's no reason to be stupid it's a fucking contagious virus like the odds of me getting hit by a car is very low but I still look both ways when I cross the street and people are like, what, you're still afraid of being hit by a car? Well, yeah, even if the odds, odds are one in a million, why would I just, why, why would I not just take a small precaution to, uh, to make that effectively zero? One of the rare long-term side effects of contracting COVID is a sickness called uh, parasmia. Makes food taste and smell like garbage, that's horrifying. I remember reading something, this is, I think this is before COVID, because there are obviously other illnesses or, or ways that you can lose your sense of taste and smell. And it was this, this devastating story about this dude who, like, his whole life was food. 
And so like it was it was his like one joy. Like he was, you know, he'd go to restaurants and cook himself stuff, and it was just his passion. And he lost his sense of taste and smell. And he was just like he, he became a husk of himself, effectively. Like I'm not into I'm not heap heaps into food. It would suck to lose the ability to taste, because obviously, but people like that who have a passion for this stuff and just, imagine just one day waking up and you are literally incapable of experiencing the thing you're passionate about. I remember when Shroud, you know, the FPS shooter guy, when he injured his arm or something with his scooter or something, like he completely stacked it, like just grow, grow, went across the pavement or whatever, um, had to get like um, a, a bolts in his elbow or some shit or something like that. I'm sure he, at that moment, was like, holy shit, what if this impacts my ability to play FPS games now? And I can just never do that at the optimal level again. And I would just have to sit there all day being unable to be the person I was the week before. And it, oh man, you know. In no way do you want to live a life where you're like perfectly optimally defending your health. But in some cases, it's just prudent to have consideration for it, you know. You know, curve from an anti-vaxxer. Yeah, I mean, that fucking sucks, dude. It, it, it still annoys me reflecting on all these fuckwits in the very beginning of the pandemic where every person who has paid fuck tons of money to research viruses their entire lives was like, hey, yo, we should probably like do some drastic measures here to like stop this before it starts because this shit's really contagious. If we don't get rid of it now, it'll be with us for fucking forever. People are like, nah, man, it's just a fucking flu, son. Wait, are you just fucking so-called experts with decades of experience studying viruses think they fucking know what's going on? I've been on Facebook for the last two days and some guy in, in fucking Texas who drives trucks says it's not a big deal. I know who to listen to. People tearing down, please wear mask signs and, and you know, re removing signs saying please social distance and shit. And just like, there was a serious chance in the beginning here that everyone just got their fucking act together. We could have just like distanced for a month in the very beginning. Because it requires human-to-human -human contact, and it, we, we'd be done. But now, countless millions of people over the course of human history are now going to die in, for the, in the future. Just Because we're never going to get rid of this fucking thing. It'll be seasonal, just like the flu. Except it's, except it's fuck tons more contagious than the flu. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to my channel. It costs you nothing, and I wish you all the best.